0: Hello, this is Aaron. Thank you so much for tuning into the Church Discussions podcast. I hope you're having a great week. If this is your first time tuning in, I want to let you know I use this podcast to teach the Word of God. So feel free to subscribe and follow the Instagram page. Today I'm talking about prayer and its importance. Feel free to write down the scriptures and study them and feel free to message me if you have any questions about anything that I speak about here on this podcast. So let's go ahead and just jump right in. Once again, I'm going to talk about prayer, and we're going to spend some time in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Before I start, I want to go ahead and just make it clear to you that prayer is about changing us to fit God's plan. It's not about changing God to fit our plan. This is the very main idea that I want to get across to you. I'll repeat that again. Prayer is about changing us to fit God's plan. It's not about changing God to fit our plan. So let's, let's read the scriptures here. Once again, it's Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to look at verse 7 through 8. This is the NASB version. And it says, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. In the Scripture, our Lord Jesus is speaking. He's teaching from the Sermon on the Mount, and He's talking about prayer. And the first thing He says is, when you pray, don't use meaningless repetition. Don't just repeat yourself just to get many words in your prayers, like the Gentiles do. He's saying, don't be like that. He's saying that that when we pray, it should be genuine from the heart. We shouldn't just be like a parrot that just repeats words. And in the, the next part of that verse, he says, For your father knows what you need before you ask him. I love that scripture because it makes it clear that God knows what we're going to pray for before we even pray it. You see, we're not informing God of anything. We're not giving God new information that he doesn't know about when we pray. God is not surprised or in shock when we we go before him in prayer to bring him an issue. God knows all things past, present, and future. God is outside of time. He's unlimited by time. So God is not like us. God knows what we're going to pray for. This is why I make it clear to you that prayer is about changing us to fit God's plan. It's about us relying and depending upon God in all things. The scripture says that we are to pray without ceasing, that we're to continuously pray. Now, that doesn't mean that 24-7, you know, we should be praying all day and we don't work and we don't, you know, feed our family and we don't do normal life because we're just praying 24-7. No, what the scripture is saying is that we should, we should be going back to prayer throughout the day. We should be going back to, to, to focusing on God and prayer throughout, throughout our, our day, whether it's during work or after work. There are many times what I will do in my life is the very moment I wake up in the morning, I, I begin to just thank God. Right away, as soon as I wake up in the morning, I go into prayer. Just under my breath, I would just say, thank you, Lord, for another day. And I'll get ready. I'll go to work. And as I'm driving to work, what I'll do is I'll spend time in prayer. And I'll say, thank you, God, for for my job. And I'll begin to just worship Him and praise Him. So there are many times where I'm not necessarily in a secluded prayer closet. But what I'll do is as I go about my day, every now and then under my breath, I'll begin to just praise Him and speak to Him and thank Him and acknowledge Him. Now, I want to make it clear to you that God does not answer every single prayer, and we should be thankful for that. There are many prayers that that if God were to answer them, it may be harmful to us. It might be harmful to the people around us. The book of James chapter 4 verse 3, it says, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You see, there are many things that we go before God in prayer for. And to us, they may seem like good prayers that God should answer. But God knows what's best. God knows which prayers to answer and which prayers to say no to. And many times he may say no to your prayers. And you should thank him for that. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the NASB version. It says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, He hears us. You see, God answers prayers according to His sovereign will. You see, God is not like a vending machine or a genie to where every single prayer He should answer them. God is not like that. We depend on Him. We serve Him. We rely on Him and we yield ourselves to His will, to His sovereign will. So when we pray, we should pray according to His will. I'll read that verse again. It's 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What does that mean? That means if, the, if we ask anything according to his plan, according to what he desires, then he'll answer it. The scripture doesn't say that he answers every single prayer. So there are many times when we don't know if it's God's will. I'll be honest with you, in my own personal prayer time, what I'll do is I'll pray. And during my prayer, I'll tell God, look, God, if it's your will, I ask that you would answer it. If it's not your will, God, then don't let it happen. So I think that it is best to to submit ourselves to his will, to yield ourselves to what he desires through our prayer life. Let's take a look at another scripture here. First Peter chapter five, verse seven, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know, there are many Christians that that carry burdens that they were never meant to carry. There are many Christians who are overwhelmed with anxiety and depression and emotional brokenness. And they may pray here and there. They might spend five minutes here and there throughout the week. But they don't spend true, genuine prayer with God. They don't connect with God in prayer. And they don't put their burdens upon God. He's the one who can carry all our burdens. He's the one who takes away all all the anxiety and depression. We place it upon Him. There are many of us, we don't realize that we, we cannot handle all the burdens that we carry, most of the burdens that we carry throughout life. This is why I'm always encouraging people to, to go in prayer and to let the Lord God know all of your burdens and place them on Him. Don't just hold on to all your burdens. We should go daily in prayer and let God know our hurts and our pains. We should go daily in prayer. And let God know every single hurt within us. So we should give every, every pain, every burden to God in prayer. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend some time here. If you're familiar with Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 through 13. This is commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to go verse by verse and explain that to you. I'm going to teach that to you. But before we do that. I want you to understand that there are some very false ideas out there when it comes to prayer. Allow me to go ahead and explain some of those false ideas. One of the false ideas out there when it comes to prayer is the whole name it and claim it idea. It's the idea that if you just claim what you want, then God will give it to you. It goes along with the the idea of speaking things into existence, that if you just that if you just pray long enough for what you want, then God will give it to you. I want you to know that this is a very false and unbiblical teaching that is being taught on many, uh, many even Christian TV programs. It's being taught by by many of the uh, prosperity preachers. And I want you to know that the name it and claim it idea is not a biblical idea. Now, if you've never heard of that idea, I encourage you to research it. But I want you to know that it basically what it is, is it's this idea that if you just if you just say what you want or what you need, it'll come into existence. If you just speak it into existence, then it'll happen. If I want that that brand new car, all I have to do is just speak it and command it to happen. And God has to yield to what I say. This is a very false idea. It's the very opposite, according to the scriptures. When we pray, we submit ourselves to what he desires, to his will, to his ways. And this whole name it and claim it idea has changed it to where it's the opposite, to where we're, we're commanding things and we're, we're almost commanding God to make things happen when this is very false. So I just want you to understand that name it and claim it and speaking things into existence is not a biblical idea. So let's go ahead and get into this passage of Scripture. Once again, it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. This is the NASB version. And it says, Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen so this is commonly referred to as the lord's prayer i think it's more appropriate to refer to this as the disciples' prayer jesus has given this prayer as a guide to us Now, I know that there's many uh, denominations or even many in the Roman Catholic uh, religion, what they do is they teach people to just repeat this prayer. But Jesus makes it clear in the previous verses, the verses that I read earlier, that we are not to just repeat prayers. That we are not just to do meaningless repetition when it comes to prayers, but we are actually to connect our hearts and our minds to God through our prayer lives. This is Matthew chapter six, verse seven. It says, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. I'll be honest with you. I've been at at a certain point in my relationship with God where I've prayed a lot and I've had the mentality in my mind that I I gotta make sure I get to the 30 minute mark or the 45 minute mark. It's a very religious approach to prayer. What I was doing is I was clocking in. I was punching in on the time clock to make sure that I got all my time in with God in prayer. But you see, that's not the way prayer works. We should never just set the timer and say, okay, I'm not going to get up from here until I spend 45 minutes. It's a very legalistic and, and fleshly approach to prayer. Prayer is about connecting with God from a genuine and sincere heart. Now, this prayer that we're going to take a look at verse by verse. This prayer is about God's will. The whole, the main idea of this passage of scripture, when Jesus is teaching how to pray, there is three main things here in this scripture. He's talking about God's will, God's kingdom, and God's glory. Those are the, the three main things that are, that are brought forth in this passage of Scripture. The book of John, chapter 14, verse 13, it says, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So the purpose of prayer, when we go before God in the name of Jesus, the goal and the purpose of it is to glorify the Father in the Son. Okay, so I want you to understand that. So let's go ahead and just take a look at these verses Let's take a look at verse nine here in Matthew chapter six. It says, pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we're going to go verse by verse here. I'm going to explain each verse. So notice here in this verse, it says, pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven. Now, if you notice all throughout the Old Testament, there was not one individual who referred to God as his father. Jesus was the very first person to call God his father. And many of the Jews were offended by this. Jesus advises us to use the word father because it's a very intimate word that describes God. Jesus is making it clear that when you pray, when you go before the father, make sure that you acknowledge him as father. He's not just some God that's distant out in the universe but he is your very father. Now, I want to make it clear to you that Jesus is teaching believers how to pray. He's not telling the whole world. He's not teaching everybody how to pray. He's speaking directly to his followers. So not everybody can call God their father. Not everybody is a child of God. I've heard, I remember years ago in high school, somebody was telling me, hey, isn't everybody a child of God? We're all children of God. Now, I want to make it clear to you that the scriptures say otherwise. Let's take a look at John chapter 1, verse 12. That, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So the scripture says that not everybody is a child of God, only those who believe in him. He gives them the right to become children of God. The scripture says that we are adopted into the family of God. So in the scripture where it says our father who is in heaven, that's that should be coming from Christians who are saved by the blood of Jesus. The only way that God is our father is through Jesus. Jesus is the doorway unto God. Jesus is the mediator unto God. If Jesus never died on the cross for our sin and made a way and bridged the gap between God, the father and us, we would never be able to refer to God as our father. Let's take a look at that next part of that verse. It says, Hollowed be your name. Now, what does that word mean? What does hollowed mean? That word means, Holy is your name. So I want you to notice here that when Jesus starts off this prayer, he starts it off with worship. He first starts it off with intimacy by referring to God as the Father, and then he says, Hollowed be your name. He's saying, your name is holy, God. Your name is unique. Your name is separate. There is no one like you, God. So he starts off the prayer in worship. So when Jesus is saying that we should start our prayers off like this, Jesus is saying, pray that you keep God's name holy. Jesus is saying, when you start off your prayers, pray that God would help you to honor His name and to reverence His name. So this is very important. When we go in before God in prayer, we should start off with an intimate connection with the Father. And as we connect with the Father, we should go before Him in worship. So a lot of times what I do is when I first begin to pray in the mornings, I'll be driving, on, I'll be driving to work, and the very first thing I do is I start praising His name. I start honoring him. I start glorifying him. I start telling him, Father, you are holy and good. And then from there, I'll move on to other things, to many of my needs and many, many other things that I, that I want to go before him in prayer with. So let's move on here. Verse 10, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In that verse there, he's he's basically saying, God, I want your kingdom to come. I want you to reign here on earth the same way that you reign in heaven. He says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I want you to know that in heaven, there is only one will. It's only God's will. In this verse here, the word will in the Greek language, it's the word thelema or thelema. And that word basically means desired purpose or pleasure. So when it's, when it's saying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he's basically saying, God, I want your desired purpose to take place on earth. I want your desire, your, your pleasures to take place on earth the same way that it takes place in heaven. You see, in heaven, man is fully sanctified. And God is worshipped always. God is glorified. And God is lifted high in heaven. So when we pray, we should go before God and say, God, I want it to be your way on earth just the same way that it's your way in heaven. We should say, God, I want you to be the ruler and the sovereign king over earth the same way that you're the king in heaven. So let's move on here to verse 11. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, what that verse is saying is he's saying, give us what we need on the daily. Take care of our needs, Lord. You see, we should go before God and let him know our needs. Now, I want you to understand that he's saying, give us our daily bread. He's not saying give us our monthly bread. So we should go before God for our direct needs. We should not be seeking after an abundance of things. We should not tell God, God, I want you to stock me up and to give me extra. I want you to give me all this extra money and all these extra resources. No, the scripture is saying your daily necessities. So the things that you need, those are the things that you should present to him in prayer. Let's move on here next verse here verse 12 and it says and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You know the thing I love about prayer is prayer is a pride killer. Prayer changes us so that we would fit the image of Jesus. Jesus is so graceful and forgiving toward us. He forgives us of all our sins. So when, when we pray, we should ask the Lord to forgive us because we're all sinners. This is why I think it's more appropriate to refer the, to this prayer as the disciples' prayer. It's not the Lord's prayer. The Lord doesn't sin. He doesn't have any debts. He's teaching us to ask for forgiveness for our sins, for our debts. But He's also teaching us to forgive our debtors, to forgive the people who have hurt us. You see, he brings our attention to our wrongs as well as the wrongs that have been done to us. This is the thing about prayer is it changes our perspective on things. It makes us realize that we're not the only ones who sin, but people sin against us. So we have to understand that as God forgives us, his grace should flow through us to other people. His mercy and forgiveness should flow into us, and through us to the people who have heard us. Okay, so let's move on here. Verse 13, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That word temptation in the Greek, it uses the word perasmon, And the word simply means a trial or a test. So when he says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He's saying, when we pray, we should go before God and say, God, help me not to fail the test. Help me not even to get close to sinning. You see, this could even refer to being enticed into evil, or it could be referring to just going through a test. Now, the Bible does say that God does not tempt anyone. In the book of James, chapter one, verse 13, it says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. So temptation does not come from God. But test trials. God does allow them in our lives. So what Jesus is teaching us here in the scripture, I'll read it again. It's verse 13. It says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So what it's saying there is pray that God would help you and lead you away from temptation, away from things that could potentially make you stumble in your relationship with God. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, it will provide the way of escape also so that you may be able to endure it. So the scripture is making it clear. When we go through temptation, we can seek God for his help. You see, the purpose of Trials, temptation, and test. The purpose of those things is to draw us back to God. It's to to cause us to depend on God, to rely on God. That's the very purpose of those things. This is why God allows temptations to happen. Because the very moment that temptation happens, we should instantly run to God and cry out to God. So that was the Lord's prayer or The disciples prayer rather. I hope that was clear for you. I want you to know that prayer is extremely important. That as Christians we should always be praying. We should be praying for our pastors. We should be praying for our church. We should be praying for our unsaved loved ones. We should be praying for the people around us. We should worship in prayer. We should honor God in prayer. We should yield ourselves to God in prayer. We do not have the power to just speak things into existence or to name things and claim things through prayer. We are to submit ourselves to God's will when it comes to prayer. If God says no, then it's a no. I'm going to read one more scripture here. It says, this is the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. It says, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room. Close your door and pray to the Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So what I do in my personal life, what I do is a lot of times I'll schedule time. I'll set some time to the side to pray. I'll either wake up early in the mornings, just, you know, 15 or 20 minutes early, just to spend a little bit of time. It's nothing formal. Formal. Or what I'll do is I'll spend my whole drive to work praying to good 30, 40 minutes just praying. Or a lot of times what I'll do is during my lunch break, I'll finish my lunch and I'll just take a walk and I'll start praying. And I'll just begin to just praise God for all that he gives me and thank him and honor him. But I do want to encourage you, if you're a person who struggles with prayer, I think it's best for you to schedule a time daily to pray. If if you you're a person who goes days or weeks or maybe even months without praying, I do think that it's a good idea to schedule a time during the day to pray. I think of it this way: I I know that for quite a quite a few years, I remember after I graduated high school, after that I got married. And and I remember every time I would see my parents, they would advise me, hey, uh, have you scheduled a doctor's appointment? Have you gone to see the doctor? And I kept pushing it off and saying, oh, schedule it soon. I'll schedule it soon. And I remember my mom telling me, look, if you don't schedule that appointment, it's never going to happen. And in the same way, in your prayer life, if you don't schedule a time, if you don't schedule your appointment with God, you'll never get to it. It'll be weeks or months before you've actually developed any type of prayer life. So what I encourage you to do is to spend time in prayer. To develop a routine. But a routine that does not become religious. I think it's okay to change things up a little bit. To go before Him and just enjoy Him. And just to meditate on His Word. So that was this teaching on prayer. I hope... You understood everything. And uh, again, if you have any questions about any of the things that I spoke about today, I believe it was very practical and very simple that prayer is important as a Christian. I also want to encourage you, if you attend Praise Chapel in Bell Gardens, we do have prayer on Saturday mornings. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out. It's at 8.30 a.m. a.m. on Saturday mornings at Praise Chapel Bell Gardens. I, I believe it's important to pray corporately to pray with the church this is a very very important thing so i encourage you if you're not attending prayer on saturday mornings at our church i encourage you to attend and to partner with us in praying for the needs of the church but once again i thank you so much for listening to this episode i hope you were blessed by it and i hope you have a good day and a great week god bless you